There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So it's uh, day 25 of the war in Israel. It's 25 days since October 7th and the attack. And the situation on the ground is intense. The IDF has, has been fighting deep within the Gaza Strip. About the, the Strip is about five miles, well, it's actually about three miles long. It's about 5K. And last night they struck 300 targets, which included an anti-tank missile launch site, a rocket launch post, and some underground military compounds that belong to Hamas. And that, of course, has resulted in the elimination of dozens of terrorists, including the commander of Hamas's Beit Lahai Battalion, one Nassim Abu Ajina, who they say was the, the head of the October 7th attack. And then on the northern border with Lebanon, Hezbollah just lost 47 fighters, mostly from IDF drone strikes that were protecting the border. And Israeli forces have targeted a whole bunch of these Hezbollah positions, neutralized several threats, and have also been able to prevent multiple rocket attacks on Israeli communities. And while the IDF does what it's got to do, people are just unbelievably still trying to second guess the war. It's, it's beyond my comprehension. It really is. And I, the more I read and the more I see of what these pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist protesters are all about, the more I am convinced that this is a very, very, very bad time to be Jewish. And, you know, I've had to caution many of my friends and both of my children to be wary. You know, their last name is enough. I saw last, yesterday, I guess it was, on the show Outnumbered. I saw a tape of it last night where one of the uh, gals who happens to be Jewish, uh, she just broke down and cried because she doesn't feel as if she can protect her children. She lives in New York City. You know, I grew up in New York City, post-World War II, but with a father who fought in World War II. And I never dreamed that someday I would have to caution my own children to watch over my grandchildren because of their names. It doesn't even matter whether they are Jewish or Christian or anything. The name alone when they begin, and, and she pointed out while she was crying 
she said to Harrison Faulkner, who's African-American, she said, and I know you're married to a Jewish man, so your kids, you got to warn your kids too because she's got the Jewish last name. We live in America. It's 2023. And, and college campuses have become hotbeds of anti-Semitism with children too afraid to go to class, with Hillel's being targeted, with anti-Semitic graffiti, with temples here in South Florida being targeted. How did we get here? I know how we got here, by ignoring the monster in the room, by ignoring the camel's nose under the proverbial tent, by pretending that this wouldn't happen here. That's exactly what the German Jews pretended, that it couldn't possibly happen there, that their German neighbors wouldn't turn on them. Well, I, uh, I, I venture to disagree. You're not safe anywhere in the world right now if you're Jewish or have a Jewish last name or if you're sympathetic to the Jewish plight or to Israel. You are not safe. How horrific is that? It just is. And I, I'm convinced, as are I'm sure many, many of you, that we hold responsibility for this. That for far too long, when people like me were banging their heads against the wall saying we have to take the threat seriously after 9-11, I actually was saying it before 9-11, but let's say that there was consensus after 9-11. And I was told that I was being ridiculous, I was being bigoted, I, I couldn't possibly believe that there would ever be any danger in this modern era with all of the access we have for information, that there would be a pogrom or a holocaust against Jewish people. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, I was right, and they were all wrong. Because that's exactly what's happening right now. There are pogroms happening on college campuses, even on high school campuses, at synagogues, across America, across Great Britain, in Australia, in France, in New Zealand. This is real, and you can deny it all you want. That ain't going to change a thing. My friend Alan Bergstein, who heads up the Judeo-Christian Republican Club up there in Palm Beach County, he wrote a piece, and you know I didn't even ask him if I could read it because I've asked him in the past, and he always gives me carte blanche. So I'm just going to read this piece that appeared in my mailbox day before yesterday. He says, Dear members and friends, not two weeks after the horrific carnage on Israeli Jews carried out by the Hamas terrorists, the victims had been tattooed as the bad guys, and the primitives who perpetrated the atrocities have walked away with most of the world's support and pity for their plight. Sure signs that the Holocaust, too, is being played out before our very eyes. To go one step further, this latest one, whose fuse was lit by Hamas on October 7th, appears to be far greater in scope and depth than the one that began on November 9th of 1938 in Nazi Germany. This current threat to world Jewry 
is not contained in merely one country. It is now international with practically every single major nation in the world reporting aggressive actions, some threatening to become lethal against its Jewish population, all in such a frighteningly short time. It's here. Face it. In our own country, until recently heralded as the bastion of democracy and home and safe haven to all, the threats to Jews have been violent and appear to be growing. We have had black elected leaders in D.C. stirring the pot of Jew hatred for years. No one wanted to pay attention. The Black Lives Matter movement openly bragged of its disdain for Jews in its platform, there for all to read and understand since its inception 10 years ago. But 600 dumb-as-dirt Jewish organizations displayed their support for BLM in a full-page ad in the New York Times only five years ago, four years ago, I think it was. There was no doubt where BLM stood with respect to Jews and Israel, but the liberal love-all mindset was in control. Ignore it and it'll go away. As well, if you speak harshly of anyone, any black, no matter how true the charge is, you run the risk of being run over as a racist. Easier to nod in approval and show support for lunatics who have uh, decided that Jews are the enemy. And of course, who are the most who are the most vocal Jew haters in Congress? Which names come to your mind? Omar, Presley, Talib, Bowman, and Carson? Are you aware that Democrat House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries is the nephew and an early supporter of Professor Leonard Jeffries, the former chair of Black Studies at CCNY? I don't even have to tell you what he has done. He openly spouted his hatred of Jews. Unless Jews, especially those of the lunatic, self-hating, progressive, liberal mindset, wake up and speak out, the violence against American Jews and this nation's support for Israel will be dangerously compromised and diminished. They are the weak link in the chain for our survival. They voted for Barack Hussein Obama, knowing he spent 20 years in a Jew-hating church run by Reverend Jeremiah Wright. They knew Obama's close buddy was William Ayers, domestic terrorist and overt Jew hater, but they all stood by him. Let me ask you, would a black support a KKK candidate for dog catcher? No way in hell. We must face the reality that the nation of Israel and world Jewry is at a crossroads. The enemies are not only at the gates, they are among us, threatening our survival, and they mean business. And they are crazy. You do not decapitate babies and drag raped women behind trucks and place your weaponry and military bases beneath hospitals and houses of worship unless you are demented. And it takes lunatics to do the unthinkable. Understand them, beat them down, and if necessary, kill them. But we must be united to do that. Speak out to those who do not understand the situation. Show them by doing the right thing. You need to know the facts, stand tall, and confront the ignorant who abound around us. Most of all, be courageous and outspoken, and don't worry about being called names. It happens to the best of us. Thanks, Alan Bergstein. 
This woman on Outnumbered last night, she said, I am not taking off my Star of David. I am not going to hide the fact that I'm Jewish. And I jumped to my feet and gave her a standing ovation. I wasn't even watching the show. I was watching like a, a clip on, on YouTube. But this is where, this is where you are. And don't, don't pretend for one moment that I haven't been saying this for years, many, many years. There are actually videotapes of me saying exactly the same thing 14, 15 years ago with exactly the same vigor. And it dates back 21 years that I said they're here and they mean to kill us. And if you still doubt that, don't blame me. Don't blame Brigitte Gabrielle. Don't blame Pam Geller. Don't blame Tom Trento. Don't blame us. We've been telling you, don't blame Andrew McCarthy. Don't blame those of us who you pointed fingers at and called us all kinds of names. We were right. Look, they all told Noah that he was a conspiracy theorist because it wasn't going to happen, him building this ark in the middle of the desert. And they all believed he was a conspiracy theorist until it rained. Let me tell you something. It's pouring right now. You better wake up. Don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app. That way you can get all the news uh, pretty much just right at your phone. You can listen to the No Restraint podcast. I talk about a lot of these things that are happening right now. You need to be educated. You need to have arguments with the people at the pool. You need to talk to your family members. I'm not intimidated. I'm not, not anymore. Look, you know, if you want to be stupid, you can be stupid, but you can't say that I didn't tell you the truth because I will. Let me take a break. I'll be talking with uh, Rabbi New, who's just come back from Israel to get a report of what it's like on the ground. He, of course, an Orthodox Jewish rabbi here in Boca Raton, and we'll find out what he saw at about 1230. He'll be joining me. For now, I have a segment to do before he comes on, so you stay right where you are. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So uh, there's a new kind of weapon. I am unfortunately becoming fascinated by weapons because he who has the best weapons and the biggest weapons wins the war. Um, the Israeli Defense Forces have a new weapon that they are using to trap and seal off these Hamas terrorists inside the hundreds of miles of underground tunnels that these these creatures, it's so fitting that they're in tunnels under the ground, but that's a whole nother, um, another day. That's for another day. But they hide in these tunnels underneath Gaza. And so the IDF 
uh, invented these sponge bombs, not SpongeBob, sponge bombs. And what it does is that they, they've been using them in training exercises for the last two years. They're like chemical bombs that when they're detonated, they rapidly expand into a foam and then the foam hardens really quickly. So the sponge bombs, bombs, so hard not to say SpongeBob, the sponge bombs allow Israel to prevent Hamas from ambushing them as they move through Gaza, since they'll be able to seal off entire sections of tunnel. So if they're above the surface, if the IDF is above the surface and these animals, underground animals, try to pour out of a tunnel, they can block them off with these sponge bombs. They're in a plastic container, and then the specialists, ha they have like two metal, they have a metal partition that separates two different liquids. And once they take that partition out, they extract the barrier, the compounds mix, and the soldier either puts the, the bomb where he wants it or throws it ahead. Now, if any of you have ever used, you know, two-stage uh, epoxies, you understand that there are chemical reactions that happen when certain compounds are formed. When you combine two liquids, they have a, a reaction, and this is what they've invented, one that literally they can throw this bomb ahead of them and it will explode and the two liquids will come together and create a foam that hardens like in seconds. They've been using this for the last two years. They've been training with it. And now they will, they, you can't ambush them. If they can lock off the tunnel creatures as they're moving through Gaza, if they can seal off entire sections of tunnel, they're going to be a lot safer. Now, how do they know where the tunnels are and where the exits from these tunnels are? Well, they have all kinds of sensors, right? Ground sensors, aerial sensors. Um, they've got radar, and they have all these drilling systems, and that's what they're employing. The downside to, all, to any weaponry and to war, period, is that, uh, you know, these things are hazardous to work with. Some of the soldiers have been blinded if they mishandle the liquid mixture. And fighting underground is like fighting underwater. It's more like fighting underwater than it is like fighting inside a building. I was reading John Spencer, a former U.S. Marine, who uh, literally chairs the Urban Warfare Studies Department at the Modern War Institute at West Point. And he said, nothing that is used on the surface works in the same way or with the same efficiency under the ground. He said, specialized equipment is needed to see, to breathe, to navigate, to map the space, to communicate, and to deploy lethal means. But here again, this is the kind of weaponry that Israel and America have been working on. In anticipation of what? What would you possibly need this for other than what I just described? To shut down these tunnels under Gaza. I don't know any other nation 
that has such a system where they have an underground sim, uh, you know, series of tunnels in which to hide, and in this case, in which to hide hostages. It's really, this is a whole new way of fighting. And a lot of people are going to be learning a lot of things. And all I can tell you is, if you're still on the wrong side of this issue, you're going to do a lot of, uh, uh, what is the expression, eating of your hat in the weeks and months to come. And I'm hoping that's all it'll be, weeks and months. But this could go on for years. Right now they're fighting in Congress. Are they going to give money to this package of the Ukraine and Israel? Or are they just going to give money to Israel? That's what the speaker is trying to get done. And where's he taking the money from? From the buildup of the IRS. Now, that's such a win-win, in my opinion. It's not money we would have to expend. It's money that we were going to expend in the wrong way. I don't think anybody, even Democrats, would be hard-pressed to fight about taking the money from building up the IRS and, and armed agents of the IRS. I know the Democrats aren't going to be happy about this, but there can't be a single Republican who'd vote against it. So we'll see. Looks like this uh, new speaker is uh, qu quite the strategist. About time, because he couldn't say that about McCarthy. He couldn't say it about uh, Paul Ryan. No, 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 no. Or John Boehner. We might actually have a speaker worth his salt or worth his weight in gold. How about that? Anyway, let me take a break. When we come back, my intention is to be speaking with Rabbi New, who's going to be having an event, actually, I believe it's, uh, it, it might be this week. I'm not sure, but we'll find out. I think it's going to be on, uh, on the weekend, and it's dedicated to the safe return of the known 240 hostages. It's going to be this Friday at 445. So, um, you know, I'm going to be talking about with the rabbi knew as well as what he saw when he was in Israel. So you don't want to touch that dial. Stay right where you are. All right. And, uh, welcome back. As I promised you, uh, a dear friend, rabbi, R rabbi knew from the East Boca Chabad. I believe that's what you call it. Or is it uh, Chabad of East Boca? I know it's one of those names. <laughs> Either way works. Either way works. Well, I know that you just came back from Israel, which had to be a very traumatic trip. It, it, it is just, I'm traumatized and I'm here stateside, but I'm watching what's going on in my country and how Jews are not safe here right now. I can only imagine what it feels like in Israel. Would you tell us a little bit about what you saw, Rabbi? Yeah, first, uh, thanks for having me on, Joyce. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I was part of a delegation of 28 Chabad rabbis from around the United States, the first rabbinic delegation to come to Israel since the onset of the war. Mm -hmm. We came uh, to Israel essentially to let the people of Israel know that we're with them, that though they are on the front lines, mm -hmm. the battle really is against the entirety of the Jewish people, yep. and um, we know that um, we are in, in, in support. We are here to um, connect, to offer condolences to the bereaved. Um, we visited bereaved families, 
excuse me, visited with um, the families of the hostages. We visited with the wounded soldiers and civilians in, in hospitals. We visited communities in the south. Um, it really, it went from an, a sort of a news item somewhat from the distance mm-hmm. to something that we all connected to in a very, very personal and, and very visceral way. And you use the word traumatized, mm-hmm. which is which is which is an accurate way to describe mm-hmm. a nation that is absolutely traumatized, um, without exception. Every single person has been very directly impacted. By the same token, I would say that it's trauma- a traumatized nation, but a galvanized one. Mm. And um, the, the resolve, the resilience, and the unity is just incredible, mm. incredible um, to behold. So you know, we went to encourage and, and, and to inspire and, and to strengthen, and in many ways, that's what we received from right. the people that we met. Yeah, that's always my experience in Israel. It's like, you know, they live unfrightened and resolved because they've been surrounded by enemies since the inception. <laughs> and and we, we take for granted that we don't wake up to missiles raining in our, you know, schoolyards and, and running into bomb shelters every day. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we had small taste of that ourselves and... Couldn't help but think the same thing. Three times we had to run to shelters. Once we were on a bus and a major highway siren goes off. Uh, it's mm. a major highway thing. So just imagine you're driving on 95. Mm. Siren goes off, um, and there are missiles coming in from Cuba, and everybody um, get, jumps out of their vehicles and lies down on on on, on the, the sidewalk or the pavement or whatever the road, face down. Um, then it happened again. I was in Tel Aviv on Wednesday afternoon. I was about to lead a prayer service in a synagogue there. Sirens go off. And that synagogue empties out. We run to the shelter. As we sat down for dinner Friday night, about 10 minutes into this about dinner, sirens go off and everybody runs to the shelter. It's, And that's, you know, I guess, relatively speaking, mild. I, didn't, I think I didn't, you know, see a missile fall anywhere close to me. But um, that's that's unacceptable. No human being should have to live like that. So could you imagine what the response would be from the United States if missiles were launched from Mexico or Cuba into Florida or California? Mm. I mean, no, but it, it, it's just intolerable, yeah. let alone um, the, the massacre mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that, that transpired three weeks ago. But, you know, we're in the city of Ashkelon. 1,300 missiles have been, and that was as of a week ago, already a week ago, fallen in Ashkelon in, in, since the inception of the war. This is just not tolerable for any people uh, to live. And, and it's reached, sadly, and it, it's, reached, uh, it's reached its tipping point. And uh, we, we hope and pray that this, this enemy, this, this evil, will be absolutely eviscerated and eliminated and, and people can live normal lives as, as any human being is entitled to. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe some of the most shocking things for me or for any American um, of Jewish ancestry or any American with a Jewish last name, as I I saw a young woman on Fox uh, burst into tears. She said, how do I explain to my children that they're not safe in New York? New York has the second largest Jewish population in the world. 
and 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 she didn't feel that her children were safe there. We're looking at these college campuses where they're the kids are forced to hide in a lunchroom or Hillel is, you know, anti-Semitic graffiti everywhere. We had anti-Semitic graffiti in Boca not that long ago. What, you know, mm-hmm. did you ever think that we would be unsafe here? It's, it's, it's startling mm-hmm. um, that in 2024, we seem to have regressed mm-hmm. to, you know, in this age of technology and information of AI, we seem to have regressed almost, you know, to the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what we're learning is that we actually never really progressed in the mm-hmm. true sense of progression. Mm-hmm. Um, we were under this illusion that a higher education means a better person. But that illusion has completely been shattered. And um, whilst you may leave college with a degree, with more knowledge in a particular field, um, we have now seen that the secular educational system is a complete and total failure of moral collapse mm-hmm. and has not, not only has it not engendered a more moral and value-based society, it's, it's gone in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So this is an absolute, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a turning point and a tipping point, not only for Israel, but for the entire Western world to ask itself, what do we stand for? What are the values as Americans? What are the values upon which the founding fathers built this country? And how did we get to where we are now? Mm-hmm. So this is a time to really confront um, the, the core of what it means to be American, what it means to be a Jew, um, what it means to be a, a moral and a decent human being who respects uh, the sanctity of life of everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, from your mouth to Hashem's ears, but... Um, I know you guys have organized something in support of the 240 hostages that will be taking place this weekend. Can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that, how people can support it, get involved in it? Sure. First, I, I, you know, I want to explain where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, to me now, this is a personal mandate, responsibility, mission. You know, we sat with the parents and the siblings of hostages. Mm-hmm. who are in this perpetual nightmare. Mm-hmm. And but incredibly, they, they, they banded together organically mm-hmm. and created a command center um, that's operating on all different fronts. And, uh, you know, one, one, of the, one of the parents put it this way. He said, well, we, we as the parents and the family members of the hostages are confronted with two choices, to, to collapse in this um, never-ending nightmare, or to channel the angst and, and, and all the pain into action. And that's the choice that we made. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just, you know, the, 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 that type of resolve, that capacity to be able to do that just blew us away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a, there's a very a prayer that has now become, unfortunately, very popular in synagogues all over the world, praying for the return of hostages, you know, this prayer, praying for the return of hostages, was um, was composed in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, knew the, we knew the prayer, but we never saw the, 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 the liturgy of hostages as something that was, you know, practically relevant to our world. You know, sadly and tragically, it's, it's the reality. So, you know, to sing that here, or to say that prayer here is one thing, 
to do it arm in arm with the family members of, of the hostages was a completely different level. So it was just what a moment to you know to pray together to strengthen each other. So we, the rabbis, were given a, a mandate by the families: go back to the United States and tell and share our stories and make sure that the, um, the hostage crisis does not somehow get uh, lost under you know other headlines. Keep it at the forefront. Do whatever you can in any way to band together, both spiritually to pray and also. Uh, whatever influence you have in political arenas um, to, you know, exercise that. So mm-hmm. I, um, and, uh, you know, so I now have a personal relationship with one of the, one of the mothers in, in, in particular. And um, incredibly, I, I landed here uh, back in uh, Florida my Sunday morning at uh, like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Miami, drove home back to Boca, uh, had services here. Uh, at uh, Chabad at 9 a.m., and then someone mentioned in passing that things that at 10:30 a.m. in Meisner Park, a few people are getting together to put out some posters of of the hostages and to, you know to create awareness. Mm-hmm. Well, it turned out to be a few people. Uh, it turned out to be hundreds of people. Mm. So I went to Meisner Park and I, you know, I, I uh, it's just steps away from where we are. I grabbed I grabbed the mic uh, from Chabad and. I shared with everyone there. I just came back from Israel, and this is precisely the mission that I was given. Mm. And I got the mother, her name is Shelly Shantov, I got her on the phone, and I mm. FaceTimed with right there. I said, look, I'm only here three hours. I didn't even organize this. This happened very organically. Mm-hmm. And here, you, you can see for yourself that we, are, we have absolutely not forgotten you. We are, we are absolutely committed to do whatever we can in our power to, to create awareness, to come together to pray, and to make sure that your son um, and, and the other hostages are returned home free. So mm. that was my, you know, that was my welcome home. And um, so I, I saw, I saw that there is tremendous energy here in, in the community. There's a tremendous desire to come together um, for the hostages. So what we're doing this uh, Friday is we're calling it Shabbat 240, and we're setting up. Um, Shabbat tables with 240 seats, each one um, with a picture of one of the hostages. And mm. um, so this has been done in other cities where the seats have been left empty, but only we're not going to leave them empty. Um, our goal is to fill them with people mm-hmm. to come together and to, um, to light the Shabbat candles mm. and to celebrate Shabbat for the hostages who are unable to do so and each person dedicating their Shabbat experience to one of the hostages. Now, I, I hope and pray today's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I hope and pray that between now and Friday night, we're going to be celebrating mm-hmm. the uh, the release of all 240 hostages. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, we'll be coming together this Friday. The chief rabbinate of Israel has also asked for Jewish people around the world to come together this Shabbat in mm-hmm. unity mm-hmm. Um, and to band together as one people because we are one people and we are very much organically and spiritually connected and, and we all feel it. Um, so we are going to do that at, I'm um, going to come together at 4.45 on Friday afternoon at a, at a parking lot just right around the corner from Chabad here in downtown Boca, right across the street from Sanborn Square. And uh, the community is invited to join us. We encourage people to RSVP in advance. You can go to dokabeachchabad.com forward slash Shabbat 
240. That's for the numeral. That's numeral. The number is 240. So that's mm-hmm. forward slash Shabbat 240. Um, we're going to have a, a, a powerful program, a, a video presentation. Uh, we're going to sing together, and we're going to uh, we're going to connect in a in a powerful way. Well, Rabbi, as always, you know, uh, you're you're a warrior. Uh, and I thank you for your efforts, and I will I will make it there this this Friday. That I uh, that I will do. I can tell you something, Joyce. But mm-hmm. we are all warriors by default right now. Yeah. As uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu said, we didn't yeah. ask for this war, but we're going to finish it. Absolutely. And every every Jew is on the front line, and every citizen who values life mm-hmm. and the value system again that this country was founded on, which is which is which is the Bible, which is what the founding fathers built this country on. It God we trust. Mm-hmm. The sanctity of, of, of human life. These are deeply spiritual, biblical values. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's time for all of us to have a reality check and, and yes. reconnect to the foundations of, of this country. Excellent. And uh, so we're, this is a battlefront that you know, we didn't ask for, but we're all in. That's and it's it. a moment that we need to seize and we need to come together. Well, I'm with you. Thanks so much for coming on today and sharing the experience with us, Rabbi New. I always appreciate talking to you. Be well. See you on Friday. Thank you. Uh, between now and then, drink a lot of chicken soup and have some tea. No, <laughs> I'm sick. You too. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Let me take a final break. When I come back, I'll do the last segment of this program. And then, of course, uh, Eric Erickson will follow that along with Joe Pags and uh, Lars Larson, the overnight guys. And tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino. And then I'll be back at three o'clock. But I have one segment left today. Stay right where you are. So I I saw uh, Erica Knight on with uh, Jack, um, what's his name, Posobiec? I don't even know how to say his name. Um, Posobiec, I think is, is the way you pronounce it, but he does a, a, a podcast and he does the Human Events website, and he had on Erica Knight, and it was pretty amazing. Um, she sounded like me, only... She made a very compelling case without a lot of emotion. Um, And she talked about how we need Trump because only Trump can hijack the establishment's narrative. And it was an aspect I never talk about, but tomorrow I'm going to talk about it. You know, the media that controls the narrative and tells us how we're supposed to feel about everything and then kind of feeds it through this pipeline, NBC and CNN and all that other stuff. Um, There was only one person ever who was able to beat that back successfully, and that was Donald Trump. He built a whole network that was able to deliver a different narrative. When he came down that escalator in 2015, he saw that the social media could be used as a campaign tool, and he did. And so, of course, that's why the left is always trying to shut us up and censor us and, you know, and take control of the narrative, whether it was Russiagate or anything else. So Erica Knight made a very good point. She said 50 Cent made headlines just, yes, I guess it was day before yesterday, when he questioned why President Biden was on the beach on vacation in the midst of the whole world being on the brink of a third world war. And she said, you know, 10 years ago, that would never have, 
she would never, there never would have been an alternative to the media's version of that story. But now even a small news outlet can make, can penetrate. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.